Noise was everywhere. To avoid it, Tina figured you had to die. When she and Harry lived in Manhattan, the nerve-scraping clangor of garbage trucks and delivery vans had served as early morning alarm clocks. Waking up to the din was jarring and souring for Tina, but useful for Harry, because he slept like a drunk and had to be on the subway by seven. Here in L.A., nestled in the alleged lux of Upper Bel Air, mornings were quiet. Until they weren't. The house groaning and creaking randomly, scolding reminders that they'd traded New York bedrock for the traitorous sand of earthquake country. Of course, Harry barely noticed. The jolts to Tina's nervous system made her feel like shedding her skin. L.A. evenings were left-coast mellow for him, crushingly still for her. She yearned for the rumble of a late-night bus, the drone of human voices rendered unintelligible at the 17th floor, the farting aggression of taxi horns. Anything to remind her that other people existed beyond the confines of her personal space. After two months of living on a ridge of soft dirt straddling L.A., the thick, almost slimy stillness was threatening to smother her. When the creaks and groans weren't freaking her out. Officially, neighbors existed. The place Harry's firm had leased for them, Mid-Century Delight, in reality a bland ranch house, was bordered by similar structures. But each was vacant due to traveling owners, a wire service editor currently working in Greece, a merry widow enjoying a round-the-world cruise. Tina knew those details because the rental agent had informed her how lucky she was to have peace and quiet. Quiet could only be peaceful if it wasn't polluted by loneliness and unpredictability. Evenings when Harry worked late proved unnerving. Even when he was home for dinner, there was bedtime to deal with, the dreaded moment when bedroom lamps were switched off and Harry was snoozing within seconds, leaving Tina flat on her back, wondering if tonight she'd finally be able to get some rest. It wasn't only the groans and creaks. There was the matter of the animals. If she didn't set her white noise machine loud enough, Scurries and rustles from the vest pocket backyard dried her mouth, chilled her skin, and revved up her heart. If she set the machine whooshing too fiercely, she veered into migraine territory. Harry, sprawled across the mattress and sawing wood, remained oblivious to her stress. Tina figured he could snore through Armageddon. Mr. Mellow and High-Strung Babe he called her that, good-naturedly, insisted her overactive nervous system made her hot in bed. Tina had her doubts about that, but why argue? She knew she was high-maintenance. It was all a matter of wiring. More than once, startled awake by what had to be a wild beast or a serial killer out in the garden, she'd elbowed the poor guy awake and insisted he check. Drowsy but chuckling, he always complied, finding nothing. One night, especially weary, he said maybe she should try meditation or medication.
Tina's reaction to that wisdom disabused him of further advice. Then came that night, when even Harry's eyes widened as he heard the chittering. Parting the bedroom drapes, he watched, astonished, as a family of raccoons enjoyed the lap pool. Mommy, Daddy, and three babies, diving in gleefully, scampering out to shake off their fur, hurrying back for repeat plunges. Five of them, polluting the water with rabies germs and God knew what. Harry had been fascinated by the spectacle. Grinning, he watched. Tina, repelled, had insisted he pound the glass until the intruders fled, which took a while. The raccoons, cheeky bastards, showed no fear, only sullen resentment. The following morning, Tina phoned animal control and received a lecture about human invasion of habitat. Apparently, raccoons had inalienable rights, too. So, four nights later, when she heard sounds from the garden, she gritted her teeth and let Harry sleep through it. But after he left for work, she checked and found trampled vegetation and a pile of grape-sized pellets, a production she internet-identified as deer scat. She supposed Bambi foraging out back wasn't terrible, but what if a mountain lion or a coyote had a yen for venison and came back to... OMG, who knew Bel Air meant Wild Kingdom? From that point on, Tina began using earplugs in addition to the white noise machine, and though they caused her to wake up with a sore jaw, she figured she'd finally happened upon an optimal solution. Wrong again.